Okay, welcome to another episode of the Best KF Secret Podcast, aka the podcast about nothing. I am your host, CZ Ray, and as usual, I'm not alone. I am joined by my brethren, Dwayne's. Yes, sir. And today we have a special, special guest. Uh, her name is Ava Like Lava. Like Lava. Yeah. This is honestly one of the things I've been looking forward to the most since we started doing interviews on the show. And so to be here right now today, I'm excited. So welcome to Ava Like Lava. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I was just told that you can hear when or you can tell when someone's smiling. So I Ish. hope it's coming through right now. All smiles today. <laughs> so excited to be here. I'm so I've also been looking forward to this moment and to chat to you guys um, and actually make this an in-person gathering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. To our listeners who are perhaps aren't quite familiar with Ava, uh, Ava is a multicultural artist, increasingly representative and a product of the modern globalized world. Iranian by ethnicity and passport. Ava is a singer and songwriter born in Japan, raised in China, and now making music in South Africa. So it's a lot there. There's a lot to unpack over there. Um, And so we are here to discuss your debut EP. And I just want to know from you, right from the jump, how has the experience been? putting together this debut EP. Are we speaking about my debut EP or my upcoming EP? Your upcoming one now. Okay. Um, Honestly, it's been a very long journey. And um, I think we're in the line of work where we have to really appreciate the journey beyond any form of destination. It's the type of craft that divorces you from the actual outcome because nothing is ever guaranteed. Um, I like to say that if I was making music for streams, I would have stopped a very long time ago. So it's really just about the story that we're here to tell, to connect with the listener, to hopefully relate someone else's experience that hasn't been told or they haven't come across a story that relates their experience and hope that they can find this message. Mm. So it's been, it's been a great journey. I've made so many new friends. And I have so many new collaborators that are now part of my family and part of my team. And yeah, it's been everyone's hard work. It really does take a village. I say this a lot and everyone knows this as creatives, but it really takes a village. And yeah, that that music they give you to cut you off when you're accepting that award, that's that's always too early. Mm. It's always too early. But what do you think is the importance of having that strong team behind you? How does that help you move forward? I think people who are willing to dedicate their time Mm. and their life Mm. to help you make art are the most essential cosigns you will have on this journey. Definitely. So they're the people who are really putting their money where their mouths are and actually helping this art happen. So... They're your first fans. They're your, they're your first points of contact and the first people who believe in you and that it means something. It's not just your mom, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. 
So then, um, how do you approach the the collaboration process uh, when you're in studio or just you know trying to align yourself with other artists? Um, what is that process like for you, and what things need to be in place for you to feel comfortable to even you know be in a collaborative space with someone? I think it's such. Um such an intangible experience you never know going into any encounter with someone how it's going to unfold and whether you are the right person for them in that moment and and vice versa um i don't want to say that i feel like i have a good people feel and and know who i like gravitating towards and that you know, just trusting that instinct of, oh, I want to be around this person. I feel like I have something to learn from this person. I let that guide me. I let people who inspire me guide me. People who I, I look up to and feel like they're just doing something right that I'm not doing yet. I want to be around it. I want to be inspired by it. And, and hopefully for that experience to raise my standard and what I expect from myself. But... I've also been wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sometimes the collaboration can actually make your relationship with that person worse. Mm -hmm. And so you really have to be open to letting things go where they, where they eventually will. Um, a lot of my best collaborations have, have been a product of online relationships and friendships that just worked so well and that revealed to both parties just how similar we were and how much we were willing to put towards this final product. Because once the art is done, that's a product. Mm -hmm. And now we need to treat it like a product. And I don't believe you should really collaborate on a song if you're not willing to promote it like it's yours and take ownership for your own presence on that piece of music. So there might be times where I change my mind about collaborating with someone. Yeah. And when I do, I... Ideally, like if, if we have an idea and it's being developed, we can come back to it. If there's nothing there, let's put it on ice for now. Yes, yes. We might find each other at the perfect time and make, you know, a song that actually can be representative of the relationship or of a story that we're both meant to tell at that time. Mm. Mm. Um, speaking of collaborations, um, from a production perspective, I see earlier on you used to kind of work with Ganja Beats quite closely. I'm not sure if that relationship is still there. But how did that sort of get started? How did you connect with them? That is so crazy. It is so crazy. I'm so grateful to those guys. They, you know, we all have an entry, you know, point and, and story in, into the music industry itself. Mm. Um, mine was a chance encounter, multiple chance encounters that led to a relationship of these very very well-known household name production trio taking me under their wings and and really developing me as an artist giving me their time of day and their beats and just the room to make mistakes and figure out what my sound is it all started at a bacardi house party <laughs> which is so crazy yeah. like how 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 things are connected well actually if i if i that's how it kind of happens though it's always those chance random encounters you know random party or Something like, like that. You had so, to yeah. be there at yeah. the right time, mm. in the right place, 
but you had no other ingredient. Mm -hmm. Like you just had to be there. You had to put yourself in that space and be susceptible exactly. to something taking place. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I didn't attend that event knowing who I was going to meet. In fact, if I want to acknowledge where things actually began, it was probably a couple of weeks prior to that when I posted something on I Know a Guy on Facebook. I know a guy days. I don't know if it's still around. I'm not really on Facebook. <laughs> it's been a while sure, since yeah. I was on Facebook. <laughs> but yeah, a lot happens. Or a lot used to happen on that page. Um, a lot used to happen on that page. Yeah. People's, people's requests and what they were looking for used to be so diverse yeah. in range. So I think, you know, that this is before I had started making music. And I just put a feeler out there on Facebook of, can anyone teach me production? Mm. Newsflash. Mm. I mm. still don't know how to produce a single <laughs> piece but, of music. But it got you somewhere, though. It that got question me somewhere. got you somewhere, yeah. And, and I have my reasons for not having begun, although I do intend to become competent enough to be able to handle my side of affairs. Um, I also realized, you know what? The world doesn't need people who are not convinced they should be producers. So, you know, let's let the people who have that passion pursue it. Anyway, I, I put that post out and... and someone by the name of Munashe hit me up and was like hey I can do it so myself and my boyfriend we go and pick this guy up he's 17 still in school mm. we meet him at like the how trade station and this was the beginning of a friendship this person now goes by the stage name cool drink he's oh. behind some of the biggest yes. pop piano yes. I know produced Tyler's getting late right yeah. yes sir superstar yes, producer Superstar producer has so much range when it comes to his production. Yeah. Um, he has, you know, had multiple careers in this lifetime already. And so, yeah, that was that was crazy. I was a very inexperienced, amateur, just aspirational artist. And he was someone who probably was very formational in just even believing that I can accomplish something and, you know, becoming very, very close friends through this process of hey, I just want to try and hey, I'll give you like a beat and I'll believe in you, uh, which is probably the main thing that he gave me is just believing in me. We went to um, this Halloween party that I just mentioned. It, it was Halloween and I had won the tickets because as I think Bacardi house parties are, it's never clear exactly how they market them yeah. <laughs> and how you're supposed to get there. You just always see them happening. You don't know how yeah, people get there, but they happen, yeah. <laughs> they happen. And Nadia Nakai had DM'd me the tickets. What? Because I won. Oh, so, okay, okay, okay. again, so many chance things <laughs> had to go right for, for me to actually get my foot yeah. through that door. Mm. Uh, Munasha was supposed to go home that evening. Like I mentioned, he was in high school. So, you know, we, we yeah. used to ask... Um, his parents for permission to stay with us. And I was just like, you have to be here tonight, man. You know, tonight's not the night you go home. Let's call <laughs> your parents. Let's ask for one more night. We did exactly that. And he attended this party with us where he ran into one of his old collaborators, Kyle Deutsch, mm. who was great friends with Ganja Beats and the whole crew. And they were just there attending as friends. He ran back to me at, at some stage at the event and was like, I just got us a studio session at Ganja Beats' house. Ew. And at that time, I didn't even know who Ganja Beats <laughs> were. <laughs> so it couldn't really even... Like, yo, these weed smokers, who's this? <laughs> I was just like, okay, cool, I'm down. So far, so good. I like what I hear. 
and 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 here we were. The next thing you know, we are at Himmel Gunja's house. Because that stage, that studio was still in their spare bedroom. So much great music. Great legendary South oh. African music was made in that house, in their apartment. And here we were. It was myself, my partner, Monashe, my best friend, who is now my manager. And full circle, we were all there. Yeah. And guys, I didn't know how to make music. I don't know what they saw in me. I don't know what they saw because I wasn't able to see anything in myself at that stage mm -hmm. but they just kept letting me come back mm. and you know i was determined to try and i was determined to just do my best and figure it out and be bold and trust the idea and the sprouts of the idea that that occurs to me and just let it run and see how far we can go and i kept going back for years mm. and we made um we released 11 singles together including my debut EP, Say Things to Myself. And it has just, it's been a crazy journey. They, yeah. they showed me a lot. They exposed me to so much. And they gave me so much of their time, which was the most valuable asset for someone who just desperately needs the opportunity mm. to experiment. Mm. Yeah, credit to them. I think, because like you said, at the time you hadn't really you know, recorded much. Um, but it just goes to, you know, show just how good of, you know, producers these people are. Ganja Beats, you know, they're able to to see things way before, like, it happens. They can they could see you, you know, in the future. They're like, yeah, this person can actually, you know, be this kind of artist. So let, let us work with her. Let us give her that that platform. And at the time they were already hot you know they had you know big names coming through uh, their, their house to record um and so for them to open up their doors to you uh, so early in your career i'm sure that must have been really really uh, pivotal of course uh, i just want to know from you what are some of the biggest lessons you took from that time working with them so close i think one of the biggest gifts of that era and starting my musical journey under them was the high standards I developed early on, which was a lesson only after we, you know, stopped working together in a formal way. Although I say this, things started in an informal way and didn't ever end. So the reality is just that for me to have continued to make music and uh, produced at the at the capacity and the frequency that I needed to, to train myself and to release music, I needed to make music with other people because it wasn't fair to them either for me to just solely rely on their capacity to make music. So the standards thing really, really early on exposed itself because other people do not have the standards that, you know, like you said, a, a production trio that was responsible for so many great hits, mm. they were critical about quality. And, you know, it was like, that's kind of their slogan, Ganja beats the highest quality. Mm. Mm. So I think that that was so essential because the the I think one of the first times that I trusted another producer with my vocals, I realized that this is not a universal standard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was still... 
figuring it out at that one, you know? Yeah. yeah. I learned that I can't just trust just anyone mm. with my vocals because I have a responsibility to sound better than every single time prior to that or the most recent time before that. And for other people, they were settling for takes that weren't good, that not only didn't sound as good as everything I already had out, but also wasn't better than what I had out. And I was very fortunate. You know, people just come into your life when you need them to. Mm. And yeah, the angels just walk in. And mm. that happened again for me. So I've just been very, very blessed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, before we leave production, what is your relationship with like with Evita? He is like a brother to me and the, the angel I was referring to again. I've just been so fortunate that you know, these friendships have become my, my, you know, safe space and the critical and safe space I need to create music and to go even harder, tap even deeper and make even more sincere art. So at that point, at the point where I needed uh, someone to be my partner in music, um, he walked into my life and it started with an invitation that I had extended to him to attend a music video premiere of, of mine. Well, actually, it was four music videos, um, again, tying into my debut EP. So it was after we had released this project and I had created a whole music video accompanying the project. Mm. So it was a, basically a movie accompanying the project. And I invited him to the premiere of that where we caught up. And I, I think there was a slicker um, initiative. There was, there was a pitch they had sent me about making a song purely out of Coca-Cola products. Uh, oh, yes, products. I remember that time. <laughs> I remember that era. Yes, yes, yes. It was such a cool <laughs> challenge, right? Yeah, no, it was cool, yeah. It was very cool. I and I remember looking at the brief thinking, well, I don't know how to produce. So... I thought about it for a second and I'm like, Liam, you want to produce this? We go halves. We make the song happen. We submit something. You take 50, I take 50. And this is the first time he took me to Universal Music mm -hmm. and the rest is history. Malice in Wonderland was pretty much solely recorded at that space. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he kept taking me back. He kept, you know, working with me. We have a monthly arrangement. I used mm -hmm. to pay him monthly and we would just get into studio. Mm. I, I would pay him what I could afford, which is not at all what his value is. Yeah. But you like know the fact that he was willing to do it. Yeah. And yeah, he's given me a lot of his time. And the fact that he's, you know, an artist as well, a singer, songwriter, mm. producer. He edits so many music videos. And yeah, he's just a great editor, <laughs> a great all-rounder. Super producer. Super producer, <laughs> yeah. super artist. Yeah. He's busy editing something for me right now, I'm sure. Yeah. This is statistically, it's very probable <laughs> that that's what's happening. <laughs> yeah. yeah, shout out, shout um, out. Yeah, I, I think Evita, yeah. shout out to Evita. Let's just, you know, put that shout out there. Shout out, Evita. Yeah, give him his flowers. Um, and I know that you said you're not really, well, you, you haven't done any production yourself um, at this point. But I would imagine that you are very much involved and hands-on with um, how the direction of the music, 
the kind of beats that you jump onto, um, the instruments being used uh, in those songs. How involved are you in the process of creating, I guess, the music that accompanies your vocals? Or is it a thing of, you know, Evita just comes and says, yo, I think I've got this beat that you might like, jump on it and then let's mix, let's get out there. Or do you have moments where you sit and like, okay, let's try and build something from the ground up? I think it's mainly between um, the first and the and the latter. I think there was three options there, if I'm counting correctly. So I I would like to look at myself like a child in a studio. Um, I speak in a very amateur language way when it comes to things I don't understand. So I'll be like, yeah, can the do 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 be louder? <laughs> yeah. Yeah? Um, yeah, kind of like a kid. Yeah. Uh, but the same way you wouldn't be hard on a kid, he's never really hard on me. Yeah. And um, also a lot of things just, you know, are created from scratch, but I do like having a vision. I do like knowing what I'm doing before I enter studio. I'm just that type of person, would like to be prepared in advance. So a lot of the times I know exactly what story I'm trying to tell, but we may have to rework a lot of things. Um, we've had to cut verses because, you know, it, they didn't really follow much of a structure or, you know, he's had to reproduce beats um, to match what I've written and the melodies that are there. So it's been very collaborative in that sense. I'm just someone, you know, sitting, you know, over his shoulder with a lot of, you know, crazy comments. Mm. <laughs> and I really also trust him. I think it's just important to find people you trust so that your input can be minimal. Mm -hmm. I, I've also, you know, found that he gives me a lot of room because he knows it's my music. So he's just very egoless in that, in that space. He will do it the right way. Like it's important to, to execute what you're asking for in a way that respects the tradition of how something's actually supposed to be made. But as far as direction goes, I feel very free mm -hmm. and feel like I have a lot of freedom to put my silly ideas in there that may just be because I want them there mm. and maybe don't have much more of a rationale to it than that. That's amazing. And I think, you know, hearing you speak, it's reminding me of a thought I had earlier about uh, ego versus the art that we create. So for you, you say that you know, in the studio, you are very much open to, you know, ideas uh, being thrown your, your way, but you also like to come prepared. Um, you, know, you have a vision. You know what you want to do. You know what you want to say. Um, is it easy for you to let go of a certain idea if, you know, Evita says, look, I think this might actually be the better option for you right now? You know, um, how what's your relationship like with letting go of your ideas, especially because you do come across as as, as a as an individual who is you know very like I guess I don't know just very connected to the ideas that that come to you. Yeah, I think I'm probably as as obsessive as the next gal, mm. but yeah, I struggle to let go of things in general, um, and I think that letting go of ideas is just a great practice. 
depends on how you're supposed to let go of them. Maybe you have to let go of how you imagined it would be, mm. but not letting go of the idea itself. Um, I try to not compromise as as much as I can get away with it. <laughs> so that's also a character trait. Um, yeah, the the ideas will come and go. I think it is actually Joe Rogan who says, "Don't be married to your ideas," mm-hmm. and because they're just ideas. Exactly. So you have to trust that you live in a universe where letting go will be rewarded with better ideas. Mm. And so to the best of your ability, that's why it's important to surround yourself with voices you actually trust so that when you can't separate yourself from it, you know that you can trust someone else's judgment over yours on that one point. 100%. Hundreds, hundreds. I get that. Um, so how would you say you describe your sound? Like where do you find your comfort in the audio side of music? I feel like I describe my sound differently to how people hear it. I wonder if that happens yeah. a lot for creatives where they think there's something else. But I'm moved by hip hop as a genre mm. in a personal capacity. It has inspired me so much. In fact, I think hip hop is the genre that gave me the confidence to even make music. Mm. Not because I was like, oh my God, there's so much shit hip shit hip hop out there in this world. <laughs> I can do that. Sorry, can I swear on here? Yeah, yeah of, yeah, course, okay, of course, cool. course. Go ahead. Perfect. So it gave me the confidence because I think it is the, it's the music that moved me the most. And I gravitated towards the production of hip hop more than any other genre. So it's, it's, what, it's what gave me the confidence to be like, hey, I want to vibe to this out loud. Mm, <laughs> mm, mm. But as, as far as my sound goes... Um, it's not done. It will evolve, but I am comfortable with where it is. Mm. It's, it's pop. It's rap. It's R&B. It has a little bit of everything in it, yeah. which I think makes sense with my background and you know my, my kind of global experience of the world. I don't know where my influences come from yeah. because they're definitely from a lot of different it's types mix, of input. Yeah. It's a mix of everything. I'm sure the K-pop that I, you know, was exposed to on MTV in China growing up has a role in my music. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to put your finger on exactly where this inspiration is coming from. Mm. It all comes through as one thing. Um, but, but yeah, I'm, I, I'd like to think that I'm having fun with pop and make, maybe breaking the rules of pop a little bit yeah. to accommodate hip-hop to accommodate R&B and, you know, it's also whatever people hear. Mm. Clearly, uh, there's apparently, actually, some neo-soul elements, which I have used AI to identify. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that was okay. interesting. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't come as a surprise to me, I guess, because, you know, when I sit with your music and I listen to it a lot from different angles, paying attention to different things, um, I, I think it's, I wouldn't expect you to know how to describe your own sound, if I'm being honest with you, because there's just so much going on. You, you, you pack in so much and you, you pack it in such a, a beautiful way where it's not like, you know, over jarring or anything. Um, to the point where I feel like if you were to play 
one of your songs to someone um they might say oh well i think she's this mm. you know someone else would be like no actually i think she's that you know so i feel like you're one of the few artists where i can literally say you can't put her in a box mm, um definitely. there's just there's so many amazing elements to your music um from like you said pop or hyper pop or hip hop or even you know like neo soul like some of your runs that you do um everything there's a lot going on but at the same time i feel like it makes sense because like you said you are you have this very globalized very um, diverse yeah perspective and experience that you come with which puts you in a very unique position in the landscape of our industry um and i want to get into the ep now malice in wonderland we were talking just now about uh being in studio recording and learning things uh for you what would you say was probably the best day in studio working on these songs there were two days in particular that come to mind um one was for a song that unfortunately is not even going to be on the project but again you know the idea is there that's one of those things that we're going to go back to the drawing board and evita will reproduce around <laughs> the idea that yeah. exists <laughs> sadly we also lost the vocals oh, which man. you know was the harder thing for me to let go of and mourn mm. but i have to believe i'm going to do it in some way better for the listener now that it's done it's done it is what it is but i think the the other day that comes to mind was when we were recording sea level mm, my favorite song oh. i love that it it is the first song on the project and you know if you've been around music creation you know that sometimes the things that you expected to take you the least time take you the most definitely and the delivery gets harder and harder because now you're at a at a point where you're trying to be focused on executing it correctly which actually overly focused on delivering it altogether so you you actually the sweet spot always exists in a in that in that little goldilocks zone where you're not thinking but you are feeling what you're saying mm. and everything just went right with that song it felt like we made a really good pop record because everything was just you know working out mm-hmm. one take great one take great <laughs> <laughs> it was it was one of those one of those journeys and and we we did feel that way again with birds eye view which will end up being a song on my my follow up project to Malice in Wonderland and yeah i think the thing that made birds eye view special is that it reminded us of sea level mm-hmm. and so it was you know a full circle on 2 years yeah. of recording and being back in the room with another song that felt right yeah mm. some songs just feel right mm. Mm. sea level is a perfect pop record um and i think i remember the first time i heard this song when you sent me the project last year sometime i messaged you and i said to kick off the project with such a song is very very brave um especially because for the most part you know i pay attention to what people say about you online as an artist the view that they have of you right 
oh, pop, it's all party, you know, it's all fun and games. But sea level is very, very different um, to a lot of the stuff that you've done in the past. Uh, it's very vulnerable, very honest, uh, speaking about real, like real situations, you know, real issues, especially on like the mental health front of things. And were you nervous at all to make that as your first statement uh, for this EP? Because it is the lead single, but it's also like literally the first song on the project. You just dive right into, you know, the thick of it. Were you nervous at all with putting this out as the first uh, play? I feel like I was so proud of it that I didn't feel nervous. My debut project was titled Say Things to Myself. And I feel like I did more saying things to myself in Malice in Wonderland. So they are in intricately and intimately connected in ways that I wasn't going to be aware of until it happened. I feel like in Say Things to Myself, I was more intending to introduce myself to other people than, you know, it, it felt like more surface level conversations about everything that I ended up unpacking in Malice in Wonderland. Um, sea Level was a song where I had to put myself as the primary subject and speak about my own life and be vulnerable enough to risk being criticized on what I say. Um, but I felt so happy about what I was saying that it detached me from what other people think about it. Mm. And it was also structured in a way that a lot of my music prior to that was lacking that real order that makes it, m drives the point home mm. and makes it memorable, like leaves something actually stuck in your head. I feel like that was the first time I really felt that way mm. and that I was able to get the message across in the pop format that really makes so many songs lovable and memorable and, you know, more timeless. Why was that so important to you, though, to get that sort of message across? Because, like you said, you went a bit deeper in sea level than I'm used to you going, you know? Why was it so important to you to sort of put those feelings right there and bear it all on the first track, really? I think I've been toying with the idea of just being deep mm. or being as deep and vulnerable as I actually feel. So I needed those couple more songs in me to be able to almost dare to go even deeper with myself. And yeah, I think one of my, one of my biggest fears throughout my life has been being misunderstood. Probably relates very, very intimately with the fact that I was always the outsider and the odd one out in, in different environments that I grew up in. And so, you know, afraid to talk about serious stuff, more, more hesitant. Mm. Um, the first few years of songwriting for me, I was actually more concerned about what my family would think, which was also limiting my ability to express myself in an artistic way. Like what? I don't want my mom to worry about me, you know? Like, yeah, it's no, it's real. The you. struggle is yeah. real because it's in your head. Mm. And mm. so I feel like I needed to play around 
I I am playful. So I'll never not want that that deep thing I'm talking about mm. to be fun and digestible and not make someone feel worse than they already might. That's not something I want for my music. And so I just had to make my myself the subject with that first song, take a couple of blows and shots at myself. Mm. In order to feel comfortable to talk about a whole generation that I exist in. Yes. And how do your parents feel about your musical journey? I think they've been very supportive mm. in general throughout my life with with anything I've done. I am their only child, which really they shouldn't have put all their eggs in one basket, <laughs> but <laughs> they're doing great. <laughs> no, they did a good job. They did a good Jenny. job. <laughs> yeah. Um They've always been very supportive. My, my, my mom named me and my, my name means voice. So I'm just like, girl, this was you. You did this. You brought this on yourself. Mm-hmm. And all that encouragement I received as an only child and as like the only granddaughter for a long time in my family. Yeah, this is why I've chosen this path. Because okay. I feel like I was um, not pushed into it, but their belief in me also was my belief in mm. me. Motivation. And so, yeah, at a, at a young age, I had the dreams that I have now. Um, I think I've always had a very clear vision of what I want, which is why it's important to trust that vision. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been very, very supportive. They love Supermodel. That's their favorite song of mine. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like that perfect pop, yeah. you know, formula. <laughs> yeah. Perfect pop song. You know, and they just, they want more of that. They like different things, mm. you know, to me. I have to listen to them as a consumer, mm. you know, and be like, okay, I see that. I see why you like this. It's also cool to see what they like and what they like about it um, and try to figure that out for myself. But I've always had a very independent mind. And yeah, I think that's something that they always feared. <laughs> it is terrifying when your child is very, very independent um, in terms of what they believe mm. about themselves. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's cool. I have the degree, so they mm. have a lot to be proud of. Earlier on, you were talking about how it took you a few songs to get to this point where you were confident enough to, you know, make a song like sea level and shared with the world um and you know there's there's a line there where you say and this is my favorite line i think that you've written so far where you say lazy to grow because my ego won't let go um i find myself thinking of this lyric a lot and i what is that like for you what, what has been um the 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 experience i guess because before we started recording i was talking about how you know you're such a receptive person uh you you're also a very attentive person and so with that i know that uh you have great discernment most of the time when the anxiety of course is not like you know plaguing the mind because i go through the same thing we've spoken about this a bunch of times um so how do you navigate between what is intuition and what is just a trauma response? Can you explain to me how how you're seeing this question 
relate to that line of lyric? Yeah. Well, because in order for us to to grow, right, we need to kill our ego. You know, it's just like an ego death thing you have to go through, right? And this line says, lazy to grow because my ego won't let go. We were speaking about, you know, attaching ourselves to ideas, being married to certain ideas. And it goes beyond just in the creative space, in the studio, right? Letting go of just things in general in life, which requires ego death. Um, and for that to happen, there needs to be growth, right? Uh, growth comes with, you know, time, with experience, with um, benefits of hindsight as well, right? All these things uh, factor into how we see the world and how we respond to the world. We've gone through many difficult experiences, all of us have. And so for you, just personally, now with the benefit of hindsight, you've, you know, you've been able to work through some of your traumas. Um, but you, like I said, you're also a very intuitive person. So how do you, or how are you able to discern what it is at the moment? Is this a trauma response? Or is this my intuition? Am I leaning into it? Because I feel like, yes, this is what's calling my name right now. I really like questions in general. And I don't believe all questions have answers. Our answers can also change on them. So I feel like sea level is the answer to the question at large. Because for me, that play on, you know, the actual term sea level as it relates to water for me was about whether we can trust our our perception of what's actually going on can we reliably you know say that we are seeing level like is this level is this actually what's happening or is this just how i feel today or is this just you know the rose-colored glasses today or the lack thereof so that song was really just like a question in and of itself of can we rely on our senses? Can we rely on this intuition? Sometimes I've been wrong for trusting my intuition. And you have to be open to being wrong, but you can't throw away like the whole idea of your intuition. Yeah. So for me, the line lazy to grow because my ego won't let go is just a reflection on like my own reality. I know how lazy I am. I also know how capable I am. So I hold myself to a high standard, which I often don't meet. So I just know I'm not the only person who feels like that. Definitely. I know all, I'm not I the only person. I think we all feel like that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I just think it's so important to speak about these universal truths and struggles mm. because if everyone acknowledges that we feel like this, we all have less excuses and we all can support each other more in being imperfect and still showing up. And I think showing up is that growth and not thinking about whether you're growing is that growth. And just take, take one step at a time. As long as you're taking a step, try not to think about the rest. And then in six months time, you'll actually be in a better position to reflect on that journey then and, and and see how and appreciate how you've grown than if you are trying to grow that's hard mm. yeah i think um with each step that we take whether back or 
forward we grow a little um and i think you've you've hit that right 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 on the nail over there um i want to quickly talk about the features on the project uh saucy we, we've seen you with saucy over the years you know it's always beautiful to you know to see you guys link um and then of course lee global as well uh how has that been uh working with you know all these incredible artists on this so exciting i feel like everything that goes right in my life is a product of friendship um whether it's a collaboration or not the friendship is really what determines you know us not being alone on any given journey and also you know the imagination we have of someone can also inspire us to become um or or put forward a, a better version of ourselves than what we knew we were capable of that's certainly what happened with myself and lee the the first time we linked up for studio we made 90s anxiety mm. i was anxious <laughs> I was I was like <laughs> I need title. to perform. <laughs> yeah. I need to perform. I didn't know what the song was going to be about, but that is definitely the fastest song I've ever written. I'm not a generally fast writer because I think very very deeply mm. and better when I'm doing it alone, better when I don't have a lot of distractions because I'm just very distractible in general. um that understanding of myself tends to help me gravitate towards situations where i can think about something in my own time and not worry about the passage of time in general lee was producing the song before my eyes it was the first time we were meeting in person and i was in a new space at 1990 records which is such a beautiful such a space. special environment beautiful, beautiful space so inspirational just to be in that space yeah. and um highly stimulated by all the art that was around me right like you there you recording this like this beautiful like painting the, the same guy do all of this <laughs> <laughs> and it was just really really great i saw that lion the yeah. the haley selassie painting all of those things were just you know very well placed and made that space very welcoming and i wanted to impress lee which is not always a really good intention to have for an artistic endeavor but it was honest mm. i really did want him to think this is cool mm. you know yeah but i was just lucky that i was focused inwards enough that i wrote something that was true to me and i think that's what communicated and We did all of that in one take. The current recording of 90s Anxiety, the chorus, my verse, one take on his beautiful mic, which is just it was it's one of those mics. Yeah. It's one of those mics that makes you sound it's like a superstar. It's oh, so good. Yeah. Delightful. So delightful. And yeah, he really blessed me with his, with his time. I feel like that friendship you know ha- i've learned a lot from and his his relaxing energy makes mm. me you know not nearly as anxious and remember like what are you even feeling anxious about so it's nice to surround yourself with people who you know make you feel calmer and just trust the process you know watching people trust the process can be really inspiring 
for you to just take that upon yourself. And so I've just been very blessed with these friendships becoming some of my best collaborators. Saucy and I, um, the relationship dates back to before MK Ultra, and mm. and and when myself and Money, you know, collaborated on "Say Things to Myself," which really mm. just changed changed how I look at art. Money changed how I look at music mm. and fashion. She's and special. She's just an yeah. enigma. Yeah, and definitely. I love enigmas, but mm. she's the kindest enigma you could find. Mm. Also, mm. not everyone is that very kind sweet, in this world. Very kind, yeah, definitely. And just easy to be around. And these girls, I've learned a lot from. I've been inspired by them so much, and just what they've done for South African hip hop, I think you know, deserves to be spoken about more than it still has received the recognition. Definitely. So yeah, they're they're trendsetters. They are game changers. And they have artistically inspired me a lot. And Global Hot Sauce, which is my song with Saucy hey. and Lee Global, <laughs> that is exactly what it what it sounds like. It is, you know, that that was a song for the sake of fun, for the sake of you know not forgetting that we're all allowed to be goofy, and like art should be an extension of our own goofiness. Mm. And just don't be too serious about being serious, you know. Mm. Mm. I think, you know, when I listen to you speak and, you know, just also having like a relationship with Lee, I've been in the studio many times with Lee making songs for other artists and he's such a knowledgeable person. He has so much insight and, you know, he's been doing this for the longest time. But even with that, he's still able to just be like, yo, just have fun with it. You know, just it's it's just music at the end of the day, you know, just have fun with it. Right. Um, and then you'll cut a verse and then you start talking about the most random thing anyway you know talk about whatever right and then i don't know but i feel like i gained so much insight being um around lee learning so much from him and with you you know like you were saying earlier uh you are a deep thinker you care a lot about the world um and the state of the world um but your music doesn't always, you know, it's not always serious. It's not always we are making a political statement. We are doing this. It's just fun. You know, it's like, yeah, you can be two things at once. Both things can be true. Um, and so for me, you and Lee coming together, it makes sense because I think you both have got that perfect balance of, yeah, I can have fun, but I can also, you know, still deeply care about things and, you know, be serious about the world and you know affect change um you've spoken a lot about the causes that you care about and you know you've mentioned it here and there i want to know from you right now um how do you i don't know how to phrase this question but how do you maintain a positive outlook when there is so much, you know, wrong that's going on out there. Um, Malice in Wonderland, I think, is a perfect title for a project because, you know, for me, it's, it's it feels like um, the malice is the it's like the ugliness of the world or you know how we see it, but the Wonderland is well, there's still beauty that can that can be found over there. And so for you, how do you maintain that perspective, that positive perspective? It's like you said, malice is both the ugly in the world and the ugly that you see. And 
I really wanted to make a point about the latter part of it, that so much of this is also additional negativity, negativity that we bring to our perception. Obviously not to make it sound like the world is always permanently peachy, but this is the peachiest the world has been. And so we got to appreciate that and not lose touch with historical context at large. No matter where it is, we have come to this moment in time through a lot of people surviving a lot of bad things and passing on really strong genes, genes of survival. And, and Wonderland shouldn't be delayed to this time that we don't know. We just place it in the future. It becomes like happiness, just something we chase, but, you know, don't try to find right now. Mm. So I really wanted us to be able to appreciate and not just be, you know, very doomsday about everything that goes wrong. We're also far more aware of everything that goes wrong. And that's a bias we don't speak about as much. Mm. But we're also connected to a world that we can be inspired by and also know what's not right. Like even where there is present day injustice, there's a whole world that's deciding that that's unjust. Mm. And that might be comforting to the person who's enduring that injustice. That, hey, the consensus is that this is wrong. Even if it doesn't take a day to overcome or fix, as most things don't. Most things didn't take a day to become fucked up. Yeah. So naturally they'll take more than a day to, to you know, not be. Yeah, Rome wasn't built in a day. Rome wasn't built in a day. And I just think it's so beautiful to appreciate how far you've come and how far things have come. Um, and, and, and let that hope drive you every day to wake up. Um, I think it's better for you in the long run to not wake up with this sense of, you know, overwhelming or existential angst that it's too late for you to do something about it. And I think that a lot of the message we now receive or hear or narratives that we're exposed to, whether it be about the climate or people's rights or whatever, is just this overwhelming sadness and, you know, just hopelessness. And you may as well not try. You know, all the turtles are dead anyway or whatever, mm. you know, so I don't know if that helps anyone. And I think collectively we can't be thinking like that. And so independently and individually, we also need to take it upon ourselves to like positively inspire ourselves to want to wake up and do something about just our own world. Mm. That's an amazing um, answer. Thank you for sharing that, first of all. And I think it's a good place to wrap up this conversation before we leave though um what are you hoping people can take out of this uh project i hope that people can see themselves i hope that people can see themselves in the project and i hope i'm telling someone else's stories here other than just myself and I hope we just remember to think about things in a nicer way or reserve judgment until we feel nicer about things and then think about it. Like we don't have to carry the weight of, our sh of the world on our shoulders on a day where you know anything you think about, you're gonna think about it in a negative way. Mm. So suspend judgment until you feel better. 
and then trust that judgment maybe <laughs> amazing amazing um Ava, thank you so much for being here today uh really appreciate the work that you do um and thank you for being such a generous artist you know with your stories uh i think many people are going to connect with your stories i think that what you are doing is really important and i do hope that you know you're able to remind yourself of just how important the work that you're doing is um for our society and our community so thank you for being here today Definitely. and sharing this moment with us thank you words of affirmation are definitely my top one love language so i will remember this and cherish what you just said and really appreciate being able to chat to you guys about it i feel like you both have so much context into my music that it's nice when your counterpart has um perspective and has been paying attention for longer than just what the conversation is about so it means way more to me coming from you guys and being able to chat to you guys about a journey that you know is continuing and we're here in this very moment in time together amazing definitely thank you all the best for all your endeavors i hope this project meets all the expectations you have and yeah thank you for coming Thank Appreciate you. it. Thank you. Mm. My name has been CZ Ray. Uh, I was not alone. I was with my brethren, Dwayne Zon Blaze, and the lovely